the congregation please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, my poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, 
announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. to God on high.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, that we may continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 16th Sunday after Trinity is from 1 Kings chapter 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And so she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the wid widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 3. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the seventh chapter. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the gospel of our Lord. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What have you seen that changed your life? Good or bad, it was something so profound that when it happened, you had to tell others about it. You simply could not stop yourself. It marked a moment in time. We recently remembered the terrorist attacks of 9-11. I can still remember that day where I was as the planes hit the first tower. Approaching State Road 38, on State Road 38, approaching Little Chicago Road on my way home from working a night. I can still remember when the second plane hit. I was in my family room in front of the TV while Debbie was getting ready to walk out the door to work. And when the first tower collapsed, I was pulling into the parking lot at Carmel Lutheran Church to drop off my girls. I got out of the car and there were others there getting kids out of cars and taking them in. They had not heard. You could tell it as you listened to their conversations. They were still talking about workouts, where they might go and get a cup of coffee in a few minutes, and, oh, Sally's doing better. Thank you very much for asking. I had to tell them. There's been a terrorist attack in New York City. Commercial airliners have flown into the World Trade Center, and one of the towers just now collapsed. They looked at me in disbelief, but soon they heard it again from others, the radio, the TV, and they believed. Their world was changed, like mine, and they too will not likely forget that day. I doubt many of you have forgotten if you are now older than about 28 years of age. A woman, a widow, has lost her only child. I say child because if you have a child, even if they're 22 or 45, they're still your child. He is her world, and really what is holding her world together. Without him, she likely has little means of support. He is dead, and she along with others have prepared his body to be entombed. His hair has been cut off, his nails trimmed, his body washed, anointed, and wrapped likely in linen, nothing fancy. In her morning, she sits on the floor and does not eat meat or drink wine. Any small meal she might have in her time of mourning before the burial would be without prayer and at a neighbor's house or at least with her facing away from the body of her son. There have been mourners hired, as was the custom, along with those that know her that make up the procession that will leave the house. Her son is likely lying in a long wicker-like basket with poles through it, through the base, to allow it to be carried. There are most likely musicians, again, nothing fancy, possibly as simple as small chimes or tambourines. The beer, a basket, is lifted up and carried by friends. It is a bit of a walk out of the city to the tomb, so the beer changes hands as they, come, as they become fatigued. This also gives the honor of carrying the deceased to as many as possible. In the minds of some, the soul of her child is possibly thought to be hovering over the procession until the body is settled in the tomb. There was little knowledge of the afterlife among Jews, just enough to be afraid, but not to offer consolation. Then there is the uncertainty of what her life will be without her son. A considerable crowd from the town follows behind the bier. Most of us, having had to bury loved ones, can relate to this scene. 
there are often no words. So sorry for your loss. If we can do anything, or you simply weep with them. The procession, according to tradition, is led by an orator, a speaker, that proclaims the good deeds of the dead, her son. She is following, the bier behind her, and the considerable crowd in tow. Her grief is overwhelming. Even with the pageantry of the procession, there is nothing to console her heart. Seeing the funeral procession and being part of the crowd following was not an unusual thing, just as it is not unusual for us today. The exception would be that any and everyone might join the procession to grieve with the mother. It had happened over and over, though. Nothing remarkable, really. Another had died. Then the crowd encounters another crowd, a large crowd, great crowd, following Jesus, Jesus who is coming from Capernaum. We are told from Scripture, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. His guts moved. He had a totally human feeling we get when our gut turns inside us. It's the feeling you get when you hear of someone's terrible injury or misfortune. My brother cut his leg with a chainsaw. I mean, your gut just turns. He said to her, do not weep. Cyril of Alexandria said in homily 36, some 400 years after Christ walked the earth, the dead man was being buried and many friends were conducting him to his tomb. Christ, the life and resurrection, meets him there. He is the destroyer of death and corruption. He is the one in whom we live and move and are. He is, he is who has restored the nature of man to that which it originally was and has set forth our death-fraught flesh from the bonds of death. He had mercy upon the woman, and that her tears might be stopped, he commanded, saying, Weep not. Immediately the cause of her weeping was done away. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. What would you do? What if you were in that crowd? What if you were following in the procession, ten cars back, and all of a sudden someone stops it, opens the coach carrying the casket, touches it, and says, young man, I say to you, arise. And he does. We can scarcely imagine such a thing. But it happened. It's true. Remember, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God who swallows up death and destroys it, raises the widow's son from death and gives him life again to glorify God and give proof that he, the Christ, has been sent by the Father in heaven. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. Fear? A dead man's life was just restored, and he was returned to his mother, alive. And not likely, and, and likely not just alive, but with whatever it was that took his life, cured. They were stunned, shocked, and in awe. 
None of them began the day with any thought that this would be how it might end. That they would meet Jesus, God come down from heaven and witness the miracle of life restored. They could not contain the news as it spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The news of the attacks on 9-11 spread quickly. Around the entire world in a few hours, life was changed. It was a major reset in the way we looked at our lives, families, national security, and worldly threats. As Christians, the happenings on that day in Maine are life-changing for us still today. God entered his creation to save us sinners. Jesus raised the widow's son, not just so they would know he was the Christ, but so all in heaven and on earth would know the truth, that death is defeated. The widow's son is a wondrous sign, but Jesus' death and resurrection proves that death has no power over Christ, our Savior. And as baptized children of God, baptized into the death of Christ at the font, we share in that resurrection. It is fully ours, and sin has no power over our lives that are hidden in Christ Jesus. In much the same way, Jesus touched the son's beer, taking death and uncleanliness unto himself and giving life. He has done that for us. He has taken all our sin upon himself and to the cross that we may have life in him. Oh, but pastor, that was so long ago. Jesus was there then, but, but today, today, Jesus comes for you. Today, Jesus comes in his sacrament, and we give thanks and we praise him for this life-giving gift. And the sanctus that is part of our service of the sacrament, we sing, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. And that is Sabaoth, not Sabbath, not Lord of rest, but Lord of war, Lord of, of all the angels in heaven, of all the hosts. Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he, blessed is he, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. This is because Christ is truly present. He is the one that comes in the name of the Lord to us sinners. Body and blood, under the bread and wine, for the forgiveness of our sins and strengthening of our faith in this life. It is life-changing. It's a life-changing thing to receive. Again, Pastor um, Cyril says, Christ raised him who was descending to his grave. The manner of his raising is plain to see. He touched, it says, the bier and said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. How was not a word enough for raising him who was lying there? Was it so difficult to it or past accomplishments? What is more powerful than the word of God? Why then did he not work the miracle by only a word, but also touched the beer? It was, my beloved, that you might learn that the body of Christ is productive for the salvation of man. The flesh of the Almighty Word is the body of life and was clothed with his might. Consider that iron, when brought into contact with fire, produces the effects of fire and fulfills its function. The flesh of Christ also has the power of giving life, 
and annihilates the influence of death and corruption because it is the flesh of the Word who gives life to all. May our Lord Christ, who also touch us, that delivering us from evil works, even from fleshly lusts, he may unite us to the assemblies of the saints. Think on that. We confess it after communion. May the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you, body and soul, unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Your sins are forgiven. They're the pastor's words to you, and you, when you receive it, you give your amen, your yes, yes, let it be so. In the sacrament of the altar, you too encounter the living Christ who comes to touch you and lift you from the grave to eternal life. It's life-changing. When you read of the miracles of Christ, be they healing of a blind man, the cleansing of a leper, the raising of one from the dead, remember, he has done more for you, especially now by his innocent suffering and death on a cross and his resurrection. He has had compassion and purchased you from sin, death, and the power of the devil with his own precious and eternal body and blood. This he brings down from heaven to you right here as the testament to his redemption of your flesh. It is heavenly and more life-changing than any earthly experience you will ever have. In the name of Jesus, amen. Each Friday in the weekly announcements, we are healing, uh, uh, including uh, various people for you to include in your prayers. We hope that you are including all of these individuals and families. This week, uh, we especially emphasize uh, four individuals, Millie, Sandy, Diane, and Charles. Let us now pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For all those who have been raised to new life through baptism into Christ, that they would be strengthened by the Spirit, rooted and grounded in love, 
know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church throughout the world and for an increase in faithful servants sent out into the harvest, that the proclamation of the gospel would resound in all places. Sinners of all nations would hear and believe and Christ's kingdom would be expanded. Let us pray to the Lord. For all pastors, that they would be diligent in their studies, regular in prayer, compassionate and loving in their duties, and always recognizing that they are in need of the gospel every bit as much as those they are called to serve. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have been placed in authority over us, that they would serve with integrity and honor, seeking after peace and the common good of all. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those in severe persecution and poverty, that they would put their trust in him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, and that according to his will they would find refuge in more hospitable places. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and suffering, for those that we pray for on a regular basis, for those that we name now that are on our hearts, our minds, and our lips. Especially this day for Millie, for Sandy, for Diane, and Charles. That God would incline his ear to hear our prayers for all of them, heal and restore them according to his will, and keep them in the faith that leads to everlasting life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who receive the sacrament this day, that they would recognize that God visits his people at the holy altar in the very body and blood of Christ, receive forgiveness of their sins, have their faith strengthened, and depart in peace and joy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the saints who have gone before us and now rest from their labors, let us give thanks to the Lord that we would be kept in the same faith until we are raised with them on the last day to dwell in Christ's kingdom, which has no end. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying...
Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he, he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Please rise. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you, both body and soul, unto life everlasting. Depart in peace with great joy. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.